It's December 10th, 2017, and here's what's happening in games. Winners at the Game Awards, World Premieres at the Industries Award Show, and PlayStation Experience 2017 highlights. The video game industry changes every day, and your time is important. Let's get you caught up, starting right now on Games in Time. Hello and welcome to Games in Time, the video game quick hits podcast that gets you all caught up on what's happening in the game industry. My name is Peter Spasia, and it's my job to deliver your news in expedited fashion, so let's get right into it. Jeff Keighley's celebration of the game industry, the Game Awards, honored the best and brightest for the fourth year in a row. Taking home the grand prize of Game of the Year was The Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild, which also won Best Action Adventure Game and Best Game Direction. Hellblade Senua's Sacrifice was another big winner, taking home Games for Impact, Best Audio Design, and Best Performance with Melina Jurgens as Senua. Cuphead also made award stage appearances for Best Independent Game and Best Art Direction. Other award highlights included Persona 5 for Best RPG, Near Automata for Best Score slash Soundtrack, What Remains of Edith Finch for Best Narrative, Dr. Disrespect for Trending Gamer, and The Last of Us Part 2 for Most Anticipated Game. However, it was what happened off of the main stage that got people talking the most, as A Way Out's creative director, Joseph Farris, went on a self-promotional, curse-filled ramble that blasted the Academy Awards, made light of EA's recent loot box gaffes, and tried to do everything else but make new announcements about his upcoming game. It's certainly a moment that won't be forgotten anytime soon, so make sure you go back and watch it. Most viewers tuned in to see the world premieres at the Game Awards, and they weren't disappointed this year. Highlights included The Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild, The Champions' Ballad, giving Link a new motorcycle and fleshing out the story a bit more, which was available to players after the show. Death Stranding confused us all with a new 8-minute trailer in which Norman Reedus ate a baby? Oh yeah! Nintendo dropped another bombshell, not only revealing Bayonetta 1 and 2 coming to Switch on February 16th, 2018, but also that Bayonetta 3 is currently in development as another Switch exclusive. From Software gave us a very small tease of what a lot of people believe will be Bloodborne 2. Namco Bandai made us wonder, Do your souls still burn? As they revealed Soul Calibur 6, coming in 2018. And plenty of other game reveals filled out the show, like Campo Santo's In the Valley of Gods, The Walking Simulator turned first-person shooter Witchfire, The Rebirth of Media Molecule's Dreams, and more. To top it all off, Microsoft sneaked a release date for Sea of Thieves in one of the commercial breaks, March 20th, 2018. Overall, it was a successful year for the Game Awards. Make sure to also check out the two special orchestra medleys if you haven't done so yet. Gaming's big winter weekend didn't stop there as PlayStation Experience picked up where the Game Awards left off. Even though Sony tried to make it very clear that PSX's big reveals were pushed up to Paris Games Week just over a month ago, the event still went on with a more subdued, developer-focused interview event. Announcement highlights included a free and full VR update coming to Wipeout Omega Collection in early 2018, 
a free VR experience for The Last Guardian on December 12th. Firewall Zero Hour, a four-person tactical first-person shooter in VR coming in 2018, and the return of Medieval with a 4K remake coming in 2018. Capping things off was the Capcom Cup, in which the reveal of Season 3 of Street Fighter V included Sakura, Blanca, Cody, Sagat, and more coming January 16th. In addition, the Street Fighter 30th Anniversary Collection arrives in May 2018 and features 12 games from Street Fighter's history before Street Fighter 4, several of which with online play at a $39.99 MSRP in the United States. All in all, it was a down year for PSX on the news front. We'll keep our fingers crossed for a Nintendo Direct in January for the next big influx of announcements. With the headlines out of the way, it's time to list the significant new games that are coming out soon. Okami HD comes to PlayStation 4, Xbox One, and PC on Tuesday, December 12th. You play as Amaterasu, the god of the sun in white wolf form, as you use weapons and your celestial brush to defeat enemies and solve puzzles in this stylized version of Imperial Japanese folklore. If you have never played Okami, now is your chance, so give the best Zelda-influenced game out there a try. And The End Is Nigh comes to Nintendo Switch on Tuesday, December 12th, after its PC release in July. This Edmund McMillan game has platforming that is very reminiscent of the creator's previous work, Super Meat Boy. And if it's any indication of the final product, the teaser trailer features voice acting from Red Letter Media's Rich Evans. Let's wrap things up with the mailbag segment. You can send in your questions to the show on social media at GamesInTimePod or at GamesInTimePodcast at gmail.com. You can either submit your question in text or record it, and I'll use the audio on the show. Fossils asks, What are your thoughts on when sequels to games drastically differ in art style, i.e. Zelda, or a more recent example, Xenoblade? For me, it's all on a case-by-case -case basis. When it comes to the franchises you've provided as examples, you have one that needs to mix things up over the many years of its legendary history in order to not be seen as stale. Meanwhile, I see the other as trying to find itself after a sequel that struggled to sell on a dying piece of hardware. At the same time, in regards to one of my favorite franchises, Pokemon, it's all about updating what is seen as the best style for the franchise as gaming hardware improves over time. To be honest, I can't really think of a time when I was angered by a drastic change in a game's art style. It's always been more of an, oh, that's interesting kind of thing for me. Of course, I'm sure that this kind of change is never taken lightly, and there are lots of factors to be considered. Directorial vision, hardware changes or restraints, keeping things fresh, trying to find critical and commercial acclaim, they all blend together to make that decision. Art style is certainly important when it comes to a game's quality, but at the end of the day, as long as it's a style that positively services the game's world, tone, and feel, then I'm okay with it. And that's all for this episode of Games in Time, brought to you by RhymesWithAsia.com. Even though we're still in the pilot stages, we expect to be on podcast services soon. If you could like, comment, subscribe, all that good stuff, that would be greatly appreciated. You can find the show on Twitter at GamesInTimePod, and I'm at Pete Speakeasy. I'll leave you with Avarice from this week's tempo control game, Act Razor. So with that, I'm Peter Spasia. I'll see you next time.